You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis 3, and if you will stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's holy word, we're going to read the last few verses of Genesis 3 and go on into chapter 4. So just follow along as we go through, and we're going to talk about the reality of East of Eden, where we all are, East of Eden. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now chapter 4 says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also of the first fruits of the flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So, and this is where it starts getting bad. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from the face, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Let's pray. O Lord, as we hear your word, we are reminded of the serious nature of sin and We're reminded again, God, of how much we need your grace. In this world today, Lord, we need your grace. We need it in a big way. And I pray, God, that your grace will flow into this room and that all of us will hear, Lord, from your word, what we need to hear, what our hearts need, what our souls need. Speak to us, Lord Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's amazing, isn't it, that here so early in the Bible, in just the first few chapters, we have drama on top of drama. 
It is, and I don't mean to be trite here, but it seems like this morning we need to lighten things up a little bit. It's almost like a soap opera. I mean, seriously, we, we kind of have a soap opera. Now, you might imagine that I'm not a big fan of the soap opera genre, right? Would you imagine that, that I'm not a big fan? But I need to, I need to confess to you, when I was a young man, I was uh, 20 years old, I worked at a shoe store, which right there, that's probably got you laughing, chuckling in your mind a little bit, but I worked at a shoe carnival. You ever been to one of those? Man, I'm really laying my heart out to you this morning. So there was this, this big guy who worked in the, in, in the back of the, uh, the building. He was our stock guy. And he and I got into a habit of watching Days of Our Lives every lunch hour. <laughs> Two guys in the back watching Days of Our Lives on our lunch break every week. So I just want you to know I am human, and sometimes I don't make any sense. I just want you to know that. Uh, talk to Jenny if you want more info on that. But anyway, <laughs> soap operas are interesting. Uh, because what they do is they sort of take um, human nature and show it at, a, at an absurd level. That's why people get attached to it. That's why movies do well and we watch certain shows because they tug on our heartstrings. You know, you don't watch those shows for a boring episode. You, you watch them because you want something that gets your attention. And I want to tell you that God is getting our attention here in the fourth chapter of Genesis. We, we see with Cain uh, that it didn't take long at all for things to get messed up. We have pride, jealousy, murder, and a cover-up. It is truly like a soap opera. Let me just say this. Sin will turn your life into a soap opera. If, if you think that the drama is for other people, then let me just say this. If you are not careful in obeying God and following his commands, uh, life gets very dramatic in a bad way when we choose sin. One of the things this passage is going to teach us is, is that we can't go back to the Garden of Eden. But I do believe this passage shows us that the love of God can lead us forward. We cannot go back to the garden. We are east of Eden. But I do believe if you're here today and you are hurting, if you are experiencing some of that drama in your life, I want to tell you there is a way back to sanity, and it's through Jesus. We want to show you that this morning. And we want to show you where it all starts. It all starts with the Lord's care. If you notice in this passage, in chapter 3 and in chapter 4, the grace of God is everywhere. I want to tell you this, you know, as a parent, I, I love my children, but when my children are, are sinning or when they're doing dumb things, it, it takes a little more effort to love them, doesn't it? In that moment when you see your kid doing something that you told them to do or not to do, and they're doing it for the hundredth time, it's so hard to love well in that moment. But I want you to realize that in this passage, as God confronts the sin of Adam and Eve, I mean, they've just messed up the universe, and yet there is concern and compassion and grace. Let me show you a few things here. God gives this, this woman, Eve, to Adam, and they are told to propagate the species. They, we're told here that Eve is the mother of all the living. And it's interesting that geneticists have shown us that, that we can look at the, the human gene and we can see that we have one common ancestor, one common mother. Wow, Genesis is correct. But nonetheless, here's the story. We, we know that she... And, and Adam started a family. 
and we have this beautiful picture of Adam and his wife, the potential for a family. We see God providing clothes for protection. Take a note, take note anyway there in chapter 3. It mentions that the skins are used to clothe them, so they trade fig leaves for these skins. That's, that's important there. That shows God realizes that east of Eden, things are going to get a little more difficult. So God's even providing their, their, for their comfort. It's amazing. His care is abundant. Let me just say this. No matter who you are, no matter where you are in your life, I want you to know this. When you trust in the Lord, His care and love for you is always abundant. His care for you is unmerited. It's undeserved, but it is abundant. He extends grace to us. And today, one of the things we want to do is we're talking a lot about uh, the sin, particularly the sin of Cain. This is kind of a dark story, but I want you to see that the thread running through this is that in the midst of all the sin, there is the love of God. And where you are in your life right now, whether you are doing pretty well in your walk with the Lord, or maybe you've never had a walk with the Lord, I want to tell you, the Lord is here today and extending His grace and mercy to you. The real question today isn't whether or not God has grace. The real question is, will you receive it? It isn't specified here in the text, but it is pretty clear here that for the clothing to come from skins, it had to be animal skins. And so there was pain and suffering even here. Pain comes into the world because of sin in ways that are big and small. The trail of blood begins with the very first sin. And east of Eden, things get bad. They get real bad. In Genesis 3, we, we see this chain reaction and as we talked about last week, we begin to see how creation itself groans. But even as creation groans, God provides. Even as you are groaning in whatever burden you're sharing right now in your life, whatever you're going through, know this, God provides. He gives you what you need. And what we all need more than anything else is the cross of Jesus Christ. We need this. We need to know that God is reaching out to us that he cares for us, that he's not... Listen, I, I know today the lost world wants to paint a picture of God as this angry God who's mad all the time and everything, but no, read the scriptures and see that God is reaching out to you in love. Notice here that, that we see this love all over the place. We see it not only with Adam and Eve, but also Cain. And here, that love is even more incredible. Now, Eve gives birth to Cain. And Cain seems to be the hope of mankind. But we see uh, here in chapter three and chapter, or chapter four and following that Cain is not a good person. So let me just say this. Everything I'm going to say about Cain today isn't very good. It's not good at all. He seems to be corrupted by the very dirt he tills. His heart is focused on the dust rather than the creator. Now let me just pause for a minute and say this. In chapter three and chapter four, here's what we see. We see Adam and Eve sin in a big way. And we see grace. Now, that's amazing. But here's what's even more amazing. We see God, who knows the heart of Cain, better than Cain knows his own heart. He knows that Cain is about to do something really bad, that is to murder his brother. And if you look at verses 5 and 6, you see a gracious call to Cain to turn from his sin before he's even sinned. God's grace is so amazing. He has grace for you after you've sinned, but if you have a heart that will listen to God, he has grace for you before you sin. 
That's what this passage is saying, that if we will humble ourselves, there is grace. When we were talking about this passage this week, I said, you know, there is grace on either side of stupid. Now, then I rewrote it and wasn't going to say that to you. There's grace on either side of the sin. But when we sin, it's really stupid. So both work, okay? We need to realize that that there is grace. We are going to fail. That's part of being human. But what we need to realize is there is a God who has grace that he wants to pour out on us. It all comes back to this offering. And we realize, and there's a lot of nuance here, but we realize that Cain's heart wasn't quite right. His offering wasn't right. Abel's was. And because God acknowledges Abel, Cain gets angry. And not just angry, not just just a little bit, but to the point of depression, to the point of doing something very terrible. And he takes out his rage on his brother. God wants Cain to do well, to do what is right, and, and master his sin. But I want to just say this. I don't know about you, but how many of us are mastering our sins? How many of us are on top of that situation? Probably not many of us. Listen, in this passage, we see the Lord caring for Cain but we see Cain not caring for God. And today in our culture, that's the issue. There is no doubt in my mind that God has poured his grace out upon us. As citizens of this great country, of all the advantages we have in the world today, God has poured his grace out on us. But like Cain, very few people seem to care for God. It is our job to celebrate the good things of God. It is our job to worship him and to care for God. And I hope that your story is not like Cain's in that regard. One thing that's interesting here is that Cain says, you know, I'm in big trouble. They're going to come after me. And God says, no, they're not going to come after you. Now listen, Cain deserved to have people come after him. But God said no. And in the Hebrew, we're told that a mark was put on him. And that word mark is the word tau. And the word tau is actually a letter in Hebrew. And a tau in Hebrew, when it is written by hand, looks like a cross. So from the very beginning, the sinner was shown that he only had one hope of deliverance, and that was in the cross of Jesus Christ. The Lord cares for you. You have the cross. We are going to talk about the cross and how your sins can be nailed to it. The Lord is so concerned about your salvation that Jesus came to die for your sins. Even the rebel is given a chance at redemption. Cain is given a chance, and so are you. So let's look now at the Lord's concern. Look back, if you will, to Genesis 3. Here we see the Lord's concern for his creation east of Eden. There is a heavy irony here in these passages because now Adam and Eve do know what it looks like and feels like to understand good and evil. But here's the deal. They know good and evil, but now their hearts can't avoid the evil. To know the evil is to do it. Now, Socrates said to know the good is to do it, but the truth is is that the human heart is such that when we know about an evil possibility, we often take that path. And that's the path that we see Cain taking. We see him going in the wrong direction. Here in this passage, we are told that there was a cherubim and a flaming sword, making sure that people couldn't go back into the garden. The garden was off limits. And from this point forward, humanity can only have one hope. There isn't the tree of life anymore. There is only the tree that is the cross. 
The only way to live and to know fellowship with God forever. The tree of life is off limits. It's, we're east of Eden. But the cross is available to all of creation. Every single one of us have the hope of Jesus. We must turn to him. We must trust in him. The cross is our only hope. Life now is not as God created it. We need a new heaven and a new earth, as Revelation 21 tells us about. We need something fresh. We need a fresh start. And let me just say this. You need a fresh start. I need a fresh start. Before I came to know Christ, I was lost in my sins. And if you're in that position now, let me say this. You need to be made new again by God and His grace. We need to be uh, turned inside out. And we come to know that the world is wrong. One of the ways that God is drawing you to himself is that, that feeling in your heart that, that the universe itself is just a little bit off, or maybe it's a lot of bit off. It just feels like when we pay attention to the pain and suffering in the world, and I keep saying this, I, I don't know if you all believe me, but reading history has taught me that, that really the world has always been way off. Since recorded human history, there are wars, there's pain, there's suffering, there's plagues, there's the wickedness of men and women in this world. There are so many things that are wrong, and we understand that life is the way it is because sin is here. The cross is the only cure for our rebellious hearts. The cross is the only way that our sins are going to be eradicated and these two, Adam and Eve, driven away from the garden, away from sweet fellowship with God, um, Adam and Eve found nothing and lost everything when they sinned. The devil always promises us more. Your sins promise, us, promise you more. It's true for us. They, they found nothing when they achieved this knowledge of good and evil. They, they didn't get anything for their hearts. They lost so much. Let me just say this, the darkness that people feel in the world today, it's because you're walking away from the light. The darkness doesn't have anything to give you. There's no revelation there. There's just more darkness. Only the grace of Jesus brings us back. When we sin, we perpetuate Adam's curse. We, we bring more complications into the world. I want to tell you that, that your sins are not, are not happening in a vacuum. You, you bruise and you batter other people. And, and quite frankly, you're bruising and battering the people right around you. The people you love the most are going to feel the sharpness of your sins. Oh, brothers and sisters, we're not talking just about heaven. I want you to receive Jesus and go to heaven. But I would kind of like to see all of us stop hurting one another and bruising one another because we're choosing sin instead of the way of the Savior. We have to turn from our sins. This world needs people like you and like me, filled with the Holy Spirit, doing the will of God, loving people, loving God. That's what the world needs. The Lord's concern is for you. He loves you and wants you to live forever with him, even east of Eden. You can't be with Christ, though, and be in sin. Turn from your sins. Come to Christ so that his blood can cover you. Now, we need to look at Cain for a moment here, and I, I want to tell you that this is not a pretty picture. The legacy of Cain is the legacy that we all have in our hearts. Yes, Adam and Eve are the original parents, but so much of our behavior, our negative, sinful behavior, has its deepest roots in the actions and activities of Cain. Cain 
is in many ways the one who sets the path for a lost and sinful world. To see his, his way is to see the way that, church, we must not go. I want to show you the way we must not go as we look at Cain's legacy. I believe that a personal inventory here is what we all need to do. I pray that as I talk about the legacy of Cain, that, that you will allow the Spirit of God to reveal to you where that legacy has made its mark on you, where you have followed the way of Cain instead of the way of Christ. And we want you, I as your pastor, we as a church and fellowship, we must all turn from our sins. We must turn from the way of Cain because initially Cain's way is the way of unbelief. Simply put, if we had a, a blanket statement here for the legacy of Cain, Cain has given us this inheritance of unbelief, the skeptical mind, the doubting soul, the one who can take the word of God, which is filled with so much truth and, and guides us in every good way in life. And yet so many people are, are looking for other ways. This morning, I was, I was getting some coffee and right in front of me, there was a person who had one of those little emblems and it looks like the ichthys, the fish, but instead it, it's turned into a rocket and it said science. And, and obviously they're making a statement there that, that they are choosing to believe in science. Well, let me tell you what that is. That's unbelief. Because it's not that I don't believe in science. I just think that's, a, I think that's the wrong way to go. Science is cold and dead and promises you nothing but the grave. But here today we promise you life and hope and peace in your heart because of what Christ has done. The world doesn't have an answer for what happens in the first second after your last second. The world doesn't have an answer for where we go when we die, but we have an answer in Jesus. You must believe in him. The world needs to hear us, not speaking of my way or our way as a church, as a denomination, but the way of Christ. My way is the way of rebellion. Now, Abel suffers because of Cain's legacy of unbelief. Sin does impact people. And again, I want you to realize that the Lord needs to be convicting hearts this morning of where your sins have not only gone against God, but your sins have hurt your brothers and sisters. Maybe you have the ability to put those sins kind of in the back burner and not think about them, but I'm not trying to be cruel, but I'm praying this morning that the, the Holy Spirit will not let you put your sins on the back burner, but that you'll see them full up front, that you will realize that your legacy is that of Cain's, that you are choosing sin over salvation and that you will turn from those sins. Abel approached God with the very best. We are told the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. Verse 4, Cain seems to approach God more casually. He approaches with something, but it doesn't seem like his heart is right. And so Cain's legacy causes us to miss the heart of worship. That's the second thing. 
Cain's legacy causes us to miss the heart of worship. Now, let me just say this. Later on in Leviticus, we're going to learn that, that the, uh, the grain offerings were real offerings. So it wasn't the substance of the offering that was the problem. What the problem seems to have been was down deep in his heart. He wasn't listening to God, and he wasn't worshiping. So here's the deal. Cain's legacy to us is, and this is what's really scary, is that we can show up for worship and not worship. Cain's legacy is that not only do we, uh, are we unbelievers, default, that's the human condition, but also we can be raised in church, we can come to church, we can know the songs, we can listen to the sermons, we can go to small group and miss the heart of worship. That is unacceptable. God wants something better for you. I want you to just dig down deep and ask yourself, When's the last time you were able to truly feel the Spirit of God in worship? Because worship is the heart's song. It's how Jesus is wooing you and speaking to you. And when we can hear the word sung, we can, when we hear prayers, beautiful prayers of the saints, when we hear the word of God spoken and elaborated on, and it doesn't make a dent, there is something wrong, and that is a hardness of heart. May God break our hard hearts, our recalcitrant spirits. May he make us flow again with living water. The legacy of Cain is that we miss the heart of worship. Third, Cain's legacy causes us not to listen to God's word. Yes, we're going to see it as we get a little bit further into Cain's story. Cain does not listen to the word of God. Here in this passage, it is so powerful. God says, don't do it. God knows exactly what he's going to do. God says, don't do it. Remember that this, this demon is at your door. Turn from your sin. And he doesn't do it. He still goes and does what he wants to do. Oh, friend, you know what God's word has to say about many of the things that you're struggling with. And you have to start letting God's word be supreme instead of your will. The legacy of Cain puts the will above the word. Put a stop to it, or it will stop you dead in your tracks. Fourthly, we see Cain's legacy causes us to deny our sinful state and excuse our sinful behavior. Look at verse 13. He says, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Well, remember, God should have killed him. He didn't deserve to live. God says you're going to be a wanderer. He should not be living. In fact, when God says, where is your brother? He makes excuses. Listen, stop excusing your sin and own it. The only way it gets nailed to the cross is when you own it and let Jesus take it from you. The legacy of Cain is to deny our need. The legacy of Christ is to humble ourselves before the Savior. Let us do that. Let us turn from our sins because the ultimate legacy of Cain is separation from God. He is told here that he must go to the land of Nod, which is a poetic way of saying far away from God. Now, I know that death seems like the ultimate punishment, but this is actually the greater punishment to live in this world and to live away from God. 
We need God in our lives. We need his strength and we need his power. And many of us are walking in the land of Nod. We have rebelled against God. We are no longer in fellowship with him. And we must turn to him. As I told you earlier, it is so clear that God's love and compassion is powerful. His grace and mercy is for you. Yes, we are all east of Eden. And this is the call to all sinners. Yes, we are east of Eden but not beyond the reach of mercy. God's mercy is reaching out to you. Psalm 23, John 10, both of those passages, Old and New Testament, tell us that the Lord is our shepherd. Listen to the shepherd. He says to Cain, and he's saying to you, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So how do we rule over sin? We surrender to Jesus. And I want to ask you this morning, what's your legacy? Where are you right now? Where do you stand in eternity's time? Where, where will you be if you leave this world today? You are either going to be living in the legacy of Cain or you are living in the legacy of Christ. And if those legacies of Cain are hitting too close to home, then turn to Christ East of Eden, it's our only hope. But that hope is here this morning. Come to Jesus and be saved. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.